And now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway in Maine or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck, or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Thank you, Mark Larson, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to Rod and Reel Radio. I am indeed your underfished host, Hopalong John Cassidy, and it is a pleasure to welcome you to tonight's show. Hey, we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. Let me give you an idea who some of the guests are. First of all, pro angler Mike Iconelli is going to be with us. Mike's going to talk a little bit about his career, uh, fishing inner cities, and also his thoughts on Major League Fishing. And then after that, the Operations Director for Gary Yamamoto Baits, Ron Colby, is going to be with us. He's going to talk a little bit about some of the new baits, how to fish some of the existing baits, and just give us some of the history of Gary Yamamoto Baits. And then later on, Chad Gerlich's going to be with us from Hookup Baits. And he's going to go over with us some techniques on how to better use his baits. And then later on in the show, Jerry Guzman from JRI Baits is going to be with us. If you've not fished the JRI irons in the past, you're going to want to do this. And you're going to want to find out what makes his irons different than anybody else's on the market. Hey, Stan and Wendy are off tonight. And before we get the show going over here, I've got a few announcements I want to make. First of all... As you all know, probably by now, the San Diego Anglers Bay Bass Tournament has been rescheduled. It was supposed to be this past Saturday, but because of the prediction of high winds, and high winds did show up, they're not able to put up the 4,000 square foot tent that they've got, that they run the raffle and the, the food and all the great programs that they put on there. So that event has been rescheduled for February the 16th. Now, if you have your entries in, you're okay. If you haven't entered yet, please, you can still do so. And if by any chance you cannot fish this tournament because of the rescheduling, then what will happen is San Diego Anglers will be happy to return your money. So get a hold of the San Diego Anglers on their website or Take a look at your entry form, get a hold of Dwayne Pontenot or whatever it is, and get your entry squared away one way or the other. If you need an entry form, you can still stop by Angler's Arsenal or I believe any of the other tackle stores in San Diego that still might have forms. Here's another thing, too, that I need to bring to your attention. You know, we're really getting close to the opening of rockfish season. 
And what's really nice about that, there's going to be a lot of new areas that are opening up to us that have been closed for almost 20 years. Well, why did the Department of Fish and Wildlife have a little change of attitude? A lot had to do with a lot of the new information that they're getting back. Number one, when the closures came about at the end of 1999 or so, it was thought that it was going to take a century for the rockfish populations to replenish itself. Well, data has indicated that, hey, the population right now is as good, if not better, than it's ever been. Reasons for that? Well, probably one of the number one reasons is that fish have tails. And we now find out that rockfish will go from structure to structure to structure, and sometimes within a period of just a couple of months, will travel as much as 120 miles from one spot to another. So they travel around. Another good reason is the fact that Hey, there's plentiful food out there, not only with the red crab situation, but the anchovy situation. So plenty of food. The fish seem to be spawning, either they're coming up from the deeper depths or they seem to be coming from other locations. The last big factor was water temperature. There was a time that we thought with the El Ninos coming along that the water was going to really be warmed up and it wouldn't produce conducive conditions for the rockfish to spawn. Well, what we've actually found out is with the El Nino conditions, only the surface temperatures have warmed up. The temperatures where you find that are ideal for the rockfish to be spawning have remained pretty much constant. So those temperatures have remained good and while our surface temperatures have fluctuated. So We'll be talking more about some of the rockfish uh, regulations as they come along uh, uh, later on in the next couple of weeks. But it looks like the rockfish opener is going to be really a great opener. All right. Hey, those are the, oh, hey, the last subject I wanted to talk to you about before we get the show going is Major League Fishing, the pro bass circuit that they have. Have you been watching this online? If you haven't, you know what? It's turned out to be a pretty exciting format. It's exciting to see how they go from 80 anglers to 40 anglers to 20 anglers and then down to the final last guys. And in the third bump out round where they went from 20 anglers to 10, it was exciting to see who would get in the top 10 and who would finish first. And the two most exciting things that happened was one of the anglers that was way down, boosted himself up considerably by catching a lot of large fish. Also, it was interesting to see that one of the anglers that was not in the top 10 for the last day caught himself a great fish and knocked off a bunch of anglers that were hoping to get in that top 10 round. Now, I'm not going to tell you who was who and what was what, but if you go to the Major League Fishing site and you look at the uh, uh, streaming video that they have, you'll see probably the last round today, Sunday, and I think you'll find it to be pretty exciting. All right. Hey, that's it for now. So what we're going to do is we're going to get on with the show. So sit back and relax and enjoy the interviews that we have with Mike Iaconelli, Ron Colby, Chad Gerlich, and also Jerry Guzman. I'll be back after those interviews. Well, if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, we were broadcasting live from Sevierville, Tennessee, 
and uh, we're actually here to attend the Pittman Creek Dealer Show. It's a big bass show out here in the East Coast. Gives us the opportunity to see some things that we don't normally see and to talk to some people that, hey, we may not normally get a chance to talk to. And we've run into one of those people here at the show, at the Berkeley booth. We've run into Mike Iaconelli. Mike Iaconelli. Mike, welcome to the show, sir. It's great to be here. Thank you. Man, I don't even... I don't even know where to begin to start talking to you about. <laughs> let's uh, uh, let's talk about first of all um, BASS. Yep. Qualifying for the Bassmaster Classic. Yeah. You <laughs> learned obviously from the past season. It's never an automatic. It's not. And in being left out, it's got to feel really bad. We had Dean Rojas on the show here a few weeks ago. Same way. But you've made it this year. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank Tell you. us a little bit about the road you took. To qualify for this year's yeah, classic. Uh, I, I tell you, you hit it on the head. Qualifying for the classic is not an easy thing. It's never a given. Uh, and I think maybe early in my career, uh, there were a few years where I maybe took it for granted. But after missing one my sophomore year as an elite, going way back to like 2001, man, I never take it for granted. Um, and making the classic is a measure, in my opinion, of a good season. So uh, I'm excited. I made my 20th Classic this year. I've been, I've been doing been it. fishing that long? I've, I, I made it. my 20th Classic, my 19th consecutive Classic this year. So I'm really proud of both of those facts. Um, and it was a good year. You know, I, I think a good year, like I said, you make the Classic, you have good finishes. That's a measure of a good season. A great season's when you win one. And that was missing this year for me. For, from the elites uh, was a win. But, you know, I, I think I would say about halfway through the season, starting in, in June at the Sabine River, I got on uh, what you call a little roll. And you hear guys talk about being in, being in the zone, guys being on a roll, guys having a hot hand, whatever you want to call it. But there is something to that in fishing. And when you start making good decisions and you have a good event, you can sort of roll it over to the next one. And that happened starting about June for me, and I was able to keep that going all the way through to the AOI Championship, which was a few weeks ago at Lake Chatoog, and uh, qualified for my 20th Classic and, and ended up 17th in points. So it was a good year. Well, congratulations. Thank you. 2019 Bassmaster Classic. Is it going to be on a lake you fished before, or is it going to be really a new lake? It's a new lake from the perspective of a lake I've never fished before. And uh, everyone already knows it's going to be right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's going to be on um, a chain of lakes called Loudon Teleco. It's actually almost sort of two separate reservoirs connected by a canal. Um, really interesting fishery in that it's uh, got three species on the, on the menu, largemouth, smallmouth and spotted bass are all in, are, are in both of these lakes um and actually my experience on loud and teleco comes from commentating not fishing but on on this chain of lakes about 15 years ago i commentated for the bass federation nationals which is sort of the world championship for amateur fishermen and i was a commentator for bass masters and i got to watch these guys fish this you know really big big chain of lakes and um i learned a little bit from that you know you you can learn a lot as an observer you don't always have to be fishing so i'll take a little bit of that experience from 15 years ago i'm doing a lot of 
online internet research, which I always do. I've already got three separate paper map sources for the lake that I've been looking at already. And about the second week of December, I'm going to do a five full five days of scouting on, on the lakes. Um, not fishing, but scouting. And between those three things, you know, I'll go into the tournament next March with, uh, you know, with some experience and, and at least a game plan for what I want to do. All right. Well, you know, we are sitting here in front of the Berkeley booth, and I've got to ask you a vast array of lures, needless <laughs> to say. But I know you have to have your favorite. What are some of your go-to baits when it really gets to be clutch time? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, as literally as we're talking, I'm looking behind you, and I get the vision of all these different shapes. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Uh, there's actually so many, it, it's intimidating. It almost feels intimidating. Um, but, you know, I, I got to tell you, if I, for me, it's staple shapes. You know, even in today's age, when you think, you know, it's 20 years later, what, what are your favorite shapes? They're still pretty staple shapes for me. The good old straight tail worm is still at the top of the list for me. Uh, uh, a shaky style worm, you know. Um, Berkeley's version is called a bottom hopper. And, uh, you know, that thing on a shaky head on a drop shot, on a split shot rig, on a dart head, on a Carolina rig. I mean, there's so many ways you could rig it. Out of all these shapes, I'm looking at a hundred of them. Give me the good old six and a half inch straight tail worm, and that's probably my number one shape of all time. Now, in saying that, you do need to keep up with the times. And uh, one of the things that Berkeley does really well is they help design new new products, new shapes, new technologies. I know you've heard a lot about the Maxent. Uh, you know, Berkeley's really good at staying innovative. And I have a couple of things up my sleeve coming that you'll see in at ICAST in 2019. That's new shapes for Berkeley. Well, we're really looking forward to that. You know, you say you're qualifying for your 20th Bassmaster Classic. Over that stretch in time, you know, got you let people look at you, and now you're one of the old men of the classic. You got the the young guys coming up like you came up 20 years ago. Yeah. But has the fishing changed, or has your style changed in that time? Are you still doing a lot of things you were doing 20 years ago? I, that's a great question. I I would say it's 50-50. I think um, 50% of the time, and you need to stick with what has worked for you in the past. And, you know... For me, a staple's always been power fishing and using finesse fishing sort of as my backup to that. That's, that's who I am as a fisherman, so that hasn't changed. But the other 50%, and you mentioned, you know, 20 years later, all these young guns. You, you, you throw around names like Lucas and Polinick and Josh Bertrand and all these guys. Uh, you know, you got to be willing to try new techniques. you got to be willing to adapt, um, you know, things like... Uh, Nico rigging, things like spy baiting that were foreign to me up to a few years ago, you have to learn. You have to force yourself to learn them. Even using a graph, uh, you know, uh, a sonar graph, uh, you know, that stuff to me 15 years ago wasn't as important as it is now. Uh, Side imaging, uh, sound technology, the flogger, you know, all these things that are new to me, you can't ignore them. You got to say this is something I don't know. This is something I'm not good at, and you have to you have to learn how to do it and put it in your book if you want to compete with these guys. There's some people saying that the imaging has actually gone too far, and maybe we better cut back on it. 
and go back to the basic instincts that yeah. the fishermen have, trying to figure out what's happening by reading the conditions. Do yeah. a do a Rick Clun wow. type of thing and uh, like get to, very cerebral about it. I'd like to see that. You know, I'd like to see a, a standalone event. Uh, Bass, MLF, FLW, whoever wants to hold it. I'd like to see a standalone event where they put us back in, say, the boats of the early 80s, you know, 150s, uh, a paper graph or a flasher. I'd, I'd love that. I think that'd make for a great tournament. But, you know, as long as these new technologies are legal, you have to learn them because if you don't, you get left behind. Really? So even with a running gun type of a style where you're sitting there you're looking for reaction fish you're beating the bank and everything like that you electronics still, are still important. you still i think everything from uh down imaging side imaging 2d sound all these new technologies it's important now getting back to what you said there is something to be said about a guy that came up and learned before these technologies before gps uh you know i i i remember my first uh, Redman tournaments, my first federation tournaments, there was no GPS yet. And I can remember my uncle and my grandfather teaching me triangulate, you know, you have to triangulate a spot on the bank. I remember this stuff. So, you know, that gives you a little something that the young guys don't have, but you still got to learn that technology or you're, or you're in trouble. And still, still really read the conditions. Read the conditions. What the weather's yeah. like. What's the barometer like? Uh, things like that. Which way the wind's going. I mean, yeah. that's still, uh, I'm sure, a big part of it. It's a big part of it. And that's that's part of that natural ability, that uh, that instinct that I think you have to have to some level to be able to, to be a top touring pro. Uh, you know, Justin Lucas is a good example. You know, his success isn't just hinged on his his use of technology. Justin Lucas is a young kid that has a great natural ability and a natural sense to make those changes based on the conditions. So, so yeah, you still have to have that. I think if you don't have that, even with the best technology in the world, you won't catch them. So you have to have a little bit of that natural ability. You all have to have a natural ability, unlike a putz like me that keeps on trying to drive a round peg through a square hole. <laughs> I do that still, sir. So. I do that too, sir. So. Oh, man. Uh, you know, so you got the Bassmaster Classic coming up. I know there's a lot of restrictions when it comes to getting closer and closer to date. Yeah. What you can, you can't do. Uh, you can't be like the average fisherman that walks into the tackle store there and go, hey, no. what are they biting on no. there today? No, in fact, uh, the, the, the off-limits rules have gotten uh, stiffer, which is, I, I think it's great. I think it even, evens out the playing field. But literally, as soon as they announced where the Classic was going to be, and I think that goes back to the summer, once that was announced, we can no longer solicit information from somebody. Um, and, and again, that evens out the playing field. And even with pre-practice, even with that scouting period, I have to do it before January 1st where it cuts off. So, you know, I, I, I like those restrictions. I like those rules um, just because, again, it evens out the playing field a little bit. Uh, and that's, that's what we all want. You know, you know, a lot of people look at uh, Pro Angler and they see all the glamour part of mm. it when you're, you're on stage and you're lifting up the fish mm. and the cameras are rolling yeah. and the sound's going and everything else like that Ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of work that goes on before you get there but when you do finally get there 
share with us a little bit about the way you feel. You're 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 waiting outside the arena. You're sitting in your boat. You know you got a good bag of fish. You don't know exactly where you stand, but they're kind of positioning you that you get you get farther and farther to being the last one to weigh yeah. in, and you go, hey, maybe something's going. Yeah. Tell us though about that feeling when you you're just sitting there and all that quiet, and then you're rolled into arena, and you've got. 25,000 people yeah, it's crazy. that yeah. start screaming and yelling, I like Ike. It's, am- it's amazing. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned a couple things there. One is, you know, it's a lot of hard work. Uh, I've, I've been working really, really hard at it since I was literally a teenager. N- not joking. Since I was 17 or 18 years old and I started this dream, it's been a lot of hard work. But those moments that you just mentioned... They're the moments that make it all worth it. You know, for me, when I look back uh, at some of that, those things, uh, every classic, it, it never gets old. You know, the, pulling in the arena, the hair stand up on your arms. And, and when I was a kid looking at, you know, Rick Clun and George Cochran and Larry Nixon and these guys watching them on TV come in, now I'm doing it. it it's the most surreal thing ever. Um, but even at events like this, we're at a, this is what I would call a smaller event here. And I'm getting to meet great people and great fans, fans that go out of their way to follow me. That's a pretty special thing. And, and uh, you know, it's it's something I don't take for granted. It's actually what keeps me going, you know. Been doing it this long. It's not necessarily the tournament wins that keep me going. It's the fans and it's moments like what you talked about, you know, gone into those cheers. And, man, that's the stuff that keeps you going. My, we're speaking with Mike Iaconelli. Mike, we got to take a break right now. Can you stick around for a little bit longer and we can talk about some other subjects? Yes, sir, absolutely. Hey, you're listening to Rod Real Radio on AM540 or at rodreelradio.com. We've got to take a commercial break right now, but stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. This is John from Angler's Arsenal. Since 1983, Angler's Arsenal has served the needs of the fishing community throughout Southern California, and now we are continuing that tradition out of our new retail store on Woodside Avenue in Lakeside. I invite you to make the trip to visit with Chuck, Dan, Jonathan, and Marvin and draw from the wealth of fishing information my crew has amassed over the many years of fishing experience. They will make your time on the water more productive. When it comes to products, Angler's Arsenal carries all the major brands you've come to know and trust over the years. My knowledgeable staff will make sure you are fitted with the right quality tackle you've been looking for. We're known for servicing those reels and rods you've depended on and used over the course of the season. Bring them into us and we'll make sure they work and look better than the day they came out of the factory. Angler's Arsenal is also the home of Western Plastics, your one-stop shopping center for the fresh and saltwater hand-poured plastics you've depended on since 1985. Looking for those specially wrapped fishing rods? Angler's Arsenal can build you a stick that'll put a hurt on any mean old fish that comes your way. Now we're open Monday through Sunday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Give us a call at 619-466-8355 to discuss your fishing needs. Or better yet, stop by and visit with us at 12255 Woodside Avenue in Lakeside. Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you. 
with a brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your baitcasters, the PTA design has the new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, quantum fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockleys Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockleys at your local fishing tackle dealer. Welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio, everyone. Hey, we're spending some time in Sevierville, Tennessee with Mike Iconelli. And Mike, we talked a little bit about uh, uh, BASS and the upcoming classic. Let's talk a little bit about Live with Ike. And I've got to ask you, there is a video going around of you doing a little, and shall we call it, urban fishing. Tell us a little bit about that video, and really, what's it leading up to? Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, city fishing, urban fishing is something I, I've done for a long time. I actually, for the first seven years of my life, I lived in uh, South Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And my first fishing experiences as a kid were around city fishing. The Delaware River, the Schuylkill River, uh, streams that ran near Philadelphia. So... Um, City fishing has a place in my heart. You know, the other thing is I had an opportunity to do a TV project about maybe like 2007 to 2010. And uh, it was a show called City Limits Fishing where we went and explored these urban fisheries. Um, You know, flash forward to, you know, all these years later, I have another amazing opportunity in front of me to highlight urban fishing. The great thing about it for me, it's... It's an opportunity to help grow the sport. It's an opportunity to help get in front of people that wouldn't normally see fishing. Um, so it, I've got a brand new show on Nat Geo Wild. Comes on every Friday, 10 p.m. Eastern time, um, and also 10 p.m. West Coast time. It re-airs later that night, um, and it's called Fish My City with Mike Iaconelli. And we're going to cities all over, not just the U.S. but all over the world, and we're exploring the the fishery as a whole so it's a pretty neat deal because uh new york was our first show and we got to catch three different unique bucket list species in new york city bluefish stripers and fluke all that are caught within the city limits of new york and it's 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 real special to me it's uh exposing the city it's uh looking at a little bit of history a little bit of culture um but it's really exploring fishing opportunities that in some cases i never knew was there uh you know i got an opportunity to go to london england taipei taiwan this year 
it's just an amazing fishing experience, you know, and it's, it's almost like it's come full circle for me. When I was a kid, I city fished. That's how I started. And all these years later, I'm getting to do it on a TV project and show people how you can catch fish in the city. It's a pretty, pretty awesome opportunity. You probably also find that your appeal is to a lot of young people, a lot of kids, because urban fishing, this, this is where they start. The yeah. local body of water yeah. that's next to where they live or the park that's close to them or mom and dad taking them out to one of the local compounds. It's got to start somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity to get in front of kids and people, new people that haven't fished before and show them that there's this fun, exciting thing called sport fishing that you can do right in the city you live in. You know, I, I can't tell you how many cities I've been to, uh, Chicago, uh, Miami, New York, L.A., where a lot of kids don't realize they can fish right there. And, uh, you know, so to be able to kind of sort of expose that is really, really amazing opportunity. And it's, it's one of the things I think everybody in the fishing industry, you can talk to any of the pros here today, we're all very conscious of growing the sport, of getting the sport in front of new people. And this, for me, is a way to do it on a bigger level than I've ever had in my life, on a bigger stage. And, you know, if, if, if more people every year want to pick up a rod and reel because watching the show, it's a good thing. I've done a good job. Let's go on the way, way back machine and talk a little bit about Mike Iaconelli as that kid. You're growing up in Philadelphia. I don't necessarily see Philadelphia as being the farm league for uh, pro bass anglers. What was the transition from going Mike Iaconelli, the recreational angler, yeah. to Mike Iaconelli, the pro? It, it, yeah. It's kind of like a rock band. Yeah. You, you <laughs> listen to them and you go, man, these guys are Johnny-come-latelys. Where'd they come from? And really, they've been beating the bushes for 15 years Forever. to get to that point in time yeah. where you could recognize them. Yeah. How about yourself? Yeah, I think we all have that story. But, you know, for me, it was falling in love with the sport of fishing early in, in my as a kid. And, you know, so that part of it is the same. And, and fishing, to me, is a puzzle, right? It's, you know, whether you're fishing for carp or catfish or bluegill or trout or largemouth bass or stripers or whatever it's you know taking these little pieces of the puzzle putting them together and you go and you try to pick a lure you switch colors you switch areas then finally you get a bite and you miss it but it's a bite and it points you in another direction and it's that puzzle and when you set the hook and you fight that fish it's you solving the puzzle but it's not complete until you land the fish that, that story, that, that, that puzzle is why I love fishing. And then the competitive side of it or the bass side of it kicked in for me in my teens. i never forget, I was 11, 12, 13. I, I, I remember catching a fish on a number. It was a, a 9F, uh, 9S floating minnow by Rapala. And I was twitching it on the top, not because I knew what I was doing, but I was just kind of looking at it on top, and I had like a three-pounder eat it. That was the fish that hooked me on bass fishing. And then, you know, that competitive side kicked in in high school and college when I started competing locally in little club tournaments, like John Boat tournaments. And, you know, I, I think everybody has that story of, of why they started. But for me, it's about that puzzle. It's about a little bit of that competition thrown in there. 
And uh, for sure, you know, largemouth bass will always be a special species to me. But fishing is a much bigger picture. Sport fishing is much bigger. And that's why I'm so excited about this new show, is I'm getting to do a lot of other stuff. I know. And, Mike, you seem to have the same sense of a lot of the pros that we've talked to. Number one, dedication to the sport. Mm. But love for the sport and love for any type of fishing. I remember uh, a couple of years ago at an elite event, and I think I had the opportunity to interview you there at Lake Havasu. Uh, They made the cut to the top 50, and I remember talking with Shaw Grigsby. And Shaw says, you know, if I don't make the top 50, I'm going to stick around Lake Havasu over here because I hear they have some really excellent brim fishing oh yeah biggins <laughs> i want to catch one of the you know they had just brought out uh you know an almost six pound yeah. shell cracker there and shaw wanted to be part of that if he didn't make the cut yeah and sure enough he um oh it was about a year later i had a chance to interview him and sure enough he went out and he was disappointed even though it was the biggest brim he'd ever caught was only four and a half pounds he wanted that six Whoa. pound brim and i noticed that with all anglers whether it's you know, Ish Monroe with saltwater fishing mm. or, uh, you know, Shaw with going after brim or yeah. whatever it is. And like yourself, they love fishing. They have a love for it and they've dedicated yeah. themselves to do it. Yeah, you got to have that passion. I mean, if, if you know, I, I think if you look at anybody that's successful in the fishing industry from, you know, saltwater captains to pro bass tournament guys to you know, guys that work at, at these companies. Um, you have to be passionate about what you do if you want to be successful. And, and uh, you know, the great thing about fishing and the outdoors is, uh, you know, it's something that we a lot of us have loved since we were a kid. And you get to do it every day. That's a special thing, man. Not everybody can say that, you know. Well, it's got to be a passion because you look at least what you have to go through as an elite angler. You get so many, you know, days of practice. That's regimented. Then you get press day and you get this day and then you're lined up to do this and then okay then you get in the boats and line up and you got to say everyone then you got to take off and you got to come back and you got to hope you do well over two days and if you don't instead of fishing you get to go to the expo and i know you love talking to the fishermen but if there's an expo in an event you don't want to be you don't want to be there unless you have to be you want to be fishing but to go through a routine like that you have to have a passion for fishing or else yeah. you fall to the wayside. you got to have a passion for it. it. It's Like I said, you know, the, between the fans and my love of the sport in general, it keeps me going. Um, I'm, I'll never sit here and tell you that I don't have bad days, that there aren't days that feel like work. I think everybody has that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm engaged in something I've loved since I was five or six years old. And that's... That's a that's a really magical thing. And being a professional, you have to have a mindset like a baseball player or a pitcher. You have a bad day, you have a bad outing, you yeah. have a bad tournament. Oh yeah. You don't even make the cut. Oh yeah. But you have an event coming up in two weeks again, and you got to be ready for that you, event. You got to get rid of it really quick. Uh, you know, my wife has instigated the Becky has instigated the two day rule, and I have two days that I can be mad about a bad event. And, uh, you know, and then I get, you got to get over it. You really do. And, you know, for me, it's, it's part of the process of not just letting out being mad, but in those two days, I try to analyze what you did wrong. You need to take a bad event or a bad day or a bad week and, and look back and say, well, man, I should have did this. Uh, you know what? When that 
wind changed, I should have probably did this. Look at what the guys did well at and, you know, try to learn something from it. So I've got two days to get over it. I try to learn something from it and you get on to the next tournament. You know, and let's talk a little bit too. You know, a lot of people don't realize we have Mike Iaconelli, the pro bass angler, the personality, but Mike Iaconelli is also a business. And you were talking about your wife. Most of the guys, their business is controlled by their wives. They're at home balancing the checkbook, making the reservations, make sure that you get to one point in the time. And I speak to so many pros that their wives and their family are a very important part of the program. And you're just the eye candy in the, uh, you know, up front that makes everything look yeah, good. Yeah, it's fun. I'm laughing as you're saying that because it's so it's so true. And I know so many so many of the guys that are my peers are in the same situation. But uh, yeah, gosh, if if you don't have that family support, it's a lot tougher to to be able to do this, do it effectively. Um, you know, Becky does a lot of stuff, including the normal tournament stuff. You know, the the lodging, all that. Plus, she's helping me run the Ike Live podcast. She's helped me run the Bash University educational seminar. She's the head behind the Ike Foundation, getting kids involved in the sport in urban areas. I mean, all this, these other little businesses that don't run themselves, she's a big part of it. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a family unit. We're in it together. She's as passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. And, uh, you know, the, the goal is to grow the sport. Hey, Mike. We've got to take one more break, but I still want to talk to you about a couple of other things. you got a couple of minutes that you can stay with us? Absolutely. Hey, we're going to take a break right now. We're speaking to pro bass angler Mike Iaconelli. Hey, stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Wendy, you invited our next guest to come aboard with us. Uh, man, I, I've tried several times, but you've got the magic touch. So why don't you introduce the next guest, if you will, please? Well, I just spent the last week with our next guest. He's the vice president of Gary Yamamoto, vice president of operations for Gary Yamamoto Custom Baits. I want to say hello to his family. They're all listening in. And hello, Ron. Nice to hear from you. Well, good morning, everyone. How is how, how are we all? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm doing much better. My tooth's all well. <laughs> Yeah, you can't good. chew on Iserline. 
Uh, hey, Ron. Yeah, don't don't be chewing on the Weiser line now. You know, so, yeah. We're speaking with Ron Colby. And, Ron, uh, uh, Wendy introduced you as the vice president uh, of operations. Uh, uh, what the heck does that mean? Does that mean that you wait for the bottled water guy to deliver uh, every uh, Tuesday afternoon or what? Oh, oh no, no. Um, you know, my job's evolved over the years to that, and uh, I'm a very hands-on guy, so I know most of our uh, employees. I wander around every day and talk to them and making sure everything's flowing right, functioning right, anything we can do to improve anything, you know, for anything from facilities to the process, streamlining, watching our pennies, uh, and even, like, uh, what we're going to be doing next week is planning a Halloween party for all of our employees. So, <laughs> perfect. That's important. Yeah. So, you know, John, so it, it, it was pretty amazing. Merritt, Merit, Lori, Dave, and I, um, we all got a tour of um, the plant. And it's just amazing how well run it is, how organized. I mean, during the day, they're making all these baits, and it, it's, you know, there's... There's plastic everywhere, and by the time it's time for everyone to go home, you can eat off the floors and the machines over there. It's amazing. You know, i got to tell you, as a guy that's been fishing in that tournament since the 70s, I mean, and I'm one of the rare breed that actually likes to fish the jig still a lot. Um, I was talking, we had Roy Hawk on talking about, you know, favorite things to do and, and how to catch bigger fish. And he was one even said, hey, if, you, if you're not throwing a 3-8-ounce jig with a Yamamoto jig trailer on it, you're probably going to miss the, the the bites a lot of time coming in behind people. And I, I'm one of those guys that you guys at Yamamoto have been a regular part of my fishing repertoire for the last, well, since the 70s and 80s when when uh, I got involved with the sport to still nowadays. There isn't probably a tournament that I go to that I don't have at least three different Yamamoto baits or, or four tied on all the time. Maybe two different kinds of jigs and uh, a Senko in one way, shape, or form or another and maybe in one of the creature baits also. But I think for, for a lot of fishermen... Uh, Yamamoto has been a prime source of, of making money for the guys that are successful in our sport. Well, it's, uh, it, you know, it's a challenge, and uh, we pride ourselves on making sure we're making the best baits out there on the market. And uh, as I was, you know, giving Wendy and Merritt and Lori and Dave the tour and, and that last week, and, you know, you tell them that, uh, Throughout that whole process, now we we have about 28 quality control checkpoints, anywhere from the, the person who's first cooking the plastic, all the way to the person who's 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 putting it in in the box, and, and even beyond out in the warehouse and, and shipping. That uh, you know if they see something wrong, all they have to do is punch the stop button, and you know it shuts that whole place down, and and we get it all figured out and. To, you know make it better and things like that and uh you know we we know how much anglers as yourself and that are counting on us 
and making sure that product's right, you know, color and consistency, you know, from one year to the next, from one batch to the next, from one bag to the next. And, uh, you know, it's a a lot of pride. I have to laugh a little bit about what we used to get. This is is really going way back. Snyder baits way back when, before it became Yamamoto and they bought them. And you guys started making baits. And then we'd we'd be using them on the river lake there. Like, you know, like the U.S. Open starts tomorrow on Lake Mead, for instance. And we'd have a particular colored bait that before the... They ever got the process down to hold the colors in it. You'd take a bag or two of baits and you'd put it on your dashboard or your car so the sun would change the color on it to the color you want to, to go fishing. But that's all changed. You guys have done a well, wonderful job it, with the products. It, a, a little bit there, John. And, and actually, some of our colors, the way you, you color the bait, and just to get into the, the process piece, some of it is colored with a pigment and that that stuff won't change color those baits won't change they don't bleed they don't fade anything but anything done with a dye and it will actually yeah. do what you just said and and one of our most famous colors uh 194 and the letter j afterneath it um anything that has that coloring into it like our another one of our good popular colors 208 the watermelon red it yep. has that watermelon color into it and you can actually do that you can set that on your dash and burn some of that color off or you can put a piece of paper over it most of the bait and say you want to just change the tail or the tails on your hula grubs you can you can do that and uh last year while we were tuna fishing wendy watched me die just by placing some baits in the bag watched me dye some of our uh swim baits to a, a very nice tuna uh eating pink or red <laughs> on some swim baits we had and everybody was like wow you know so anyway it, it's still possible and you know, you know what's really interesting know, was, stan well, is um when yes. they when they were selling their baits it was eighty twenty japan and now it's flip-flop it's eighty twenty usa that? right ron yeah that's that's correct and you know over about the last 15 years, that with the with the Sanko, that's that's where that really come about. It, it's amazing that like Japan, they they really don't buy a lot of Sankos. Uh, their their favorite bait is the uh, five inch cut tail, where in the United States it's the five inch Sanko. So it's uh, it, it's pretty amazing on, on what baits they like versus what baits the United States like. Ron, there's a lot of things. You were mentioning the pride of the uh, Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company. But I think one of the things that you've got to be the most proud of, the Yamamoto uh, Custom Bait Company is not necessarily located in one of the big metropolitan areas of the Southwest. And labor is always a big problem. And you guys have, at Yamamoto Bait have received awards for employing the Native American in the area, and I, I, I know you're to be commended for that, for what you've done to the economics of that area. Yeah, our little town where we're located, its population is, a, is about 8,000. It's a little less, uh, permanent residents, and we sit on the border of the Utah, Arizona, and uh, 
the Navajo Nation reservation borders, and uh, we uh, about ninety five percent or more of our uh, employee pool is uh, Native Americans, and and they're very prideful in their work. They the the color selections, uh, you know, when you get them to pay attention to detail and and, and things like that, and uh, you know, they take a lot of pride in it. And we take a lot of pride in them. And uh, and from where we're located, the next largest city um, for uh, of any kind of uh, population is over two and a half hours away. So yeah. everybody always, you know, they always laugh when I tell them I got to drive three hours to go buy a pair of shoes. They don't know how serious I really am. And uh, we are. We're right there at the dam at Lake Powell, and uh, there's there's nothing around us for you know 150 miles. And uh, and Ron, so it's the uh, the company is obviously named Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company, and I know Gary Yamamoto obviously had a, a big hand in starting the company. But you know he's he's you know gotten to the point now where a lot of the stuff is being done by the staff, but how hands-on is Gary still in the uh, operation and the manufacturing and the design of uh, baits? Um, Gary Gary still has a hand in that. He, he still likes to tinker and and uh, he's, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way, he's my largest R&D department. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, he comes up with ideas and we, we have to sort them out and hash them out and and do things. And one of our newest baits that we've actually just released, and uh, it's available, we, we, we were handing out samples at the U.S. Open, is is a larger finesse, I don't want to call it a finesse, but a larger Ica, like the tiny Ica that we, yeah. we used to have. So we, we've got a larger body on that, larger tails, and, and it makes a really great Ned rig. Gary's been using that a lot catching redfish and speckled trout, things like that. So, you know, he he, he does have a, uh, a part in it day-to-day for, like, paying the bills or, you know, just taking care of everyday general, general business. Uh, he's he's in Texas fishing. He just turned 75 the other day in, in August. So And he's still fishing the, the bass tour. He's fishing FLW on the tour stuff, and... Uh, he loves to fish. He, he, I mean, he's so happy just catching, you know, anything, you know, even catching six-inch fish. He's just as happy catching those six-inch fish as he is catching six-pounders. So, you know, he, he's doing that, and, and we, we leave him down there, and, and then uh, um, he'll actually test in these baits and where he lives, and he has a house in Louisiana, and, and doing that – he takes such pride. He'll go around and catch a whole bunch of speckled trout and and white trout um, off around his house there in Louisiana, uh, down in uh, um, Grand Isle, and that. And then he 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 breads them. He'll flay them all. He'll bread them all. He freezer packs them all. You know, zips them all, and then brings them all up in a giant freezer. And we have these giant fish fries for the employees. You know, two or three times a year. And so he he gets more wow. enjoyment out of doing that than he than he does anything. You know, Ron. Also, another question: you know, the Gary Yamamoto baits are known for being a lot of them. 
salt impregnated, you got the Senkos and you got the Icas. You know, salt impregnation, it's got to play havoc with your molds, but you insist on doing that. What are What is the main purpose of putting salt in uh, Gary Yamamoto custom baits? Well, uh, it functions as two things. The, f- the first thing was as a flavor or, or scent or flavor inducer, you know, and it's, it's there as a purpose. Like when we, you bite into a steak and you taste a little bit of salt or those French fries or something, and it just makes you salivate a little bit and go, wow, you know, this is good. And you hold on to it and, and you, and you, you know, you make that flavor last quite a bit longer and, and, and things like that. So that's the primary purpose. But the secondary purpose, which was, I don't want to say an unintended purpose, but it happens to be the, the secondary purpose of the bait is it adds weight. And uh, the, the salt never dissolves. It stays in the crystals, but it, it adds the weight to the bait. So that's what makes that bait really bulky and heavy, and so it'll sink by itself. You know, salt water is heavier than fresh water, or salt baits are heavier than just a, a bait without any salt in it. You, you put a, you put that same bait with no salt in it versus the bait with the salt in it, and it'll actually, I don't want to necessarily say float, but it may become neutrally buoyant at some point without a hook. You know, it, it may float and that, but with uh, with you put a hook in it. And it, you know, it'll kind of sink really, really slow, like that little dying bait fish or something like that. But, uh, you know, there's a couple of purposes on it. Some baits work. It's amazing. I've learned a lot about the plastic over the years, you know, how salt will help with those kind of things. But actually, salt sometimes hinders the action of the bait, even though it may cause some stuff, that, like with the Senko, but you put it on another bait that has a lot of ang- uh, action, like a swim bait, and that salt will actually hinder the action on the bait. So it, it's got its pluses and its minuses. Yeah, but when you've got it in the body of the bait, I mean, you're right. For for those of us who fish baits a lot, I mean, the, the, the weight of the body is something you can throw the weight without putting a weight on. You can get a long cast out of an eco. Yeah, um, you, can you can cast a long those things. Yeah, yeah, you can get a long with any of the creature baits without a lot of weight on it you can you can fish the bait alone uh and that's one of the weapons out there you know if you want something that'll you can throw it out there a long way you don't have to get right up next to a brush line or a or the toolies whatever and you can throw it from a ways and let it sink slow that is just devastatingly good you know and you, the hula grubs um yeah shoot yeah. you know those things Hey guys, we got to take a break right now. Ron, can Ron Why? can I ask you to stay on for uh, a little bit longer so we can talk more about baits? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Ron, I'm are you still glad to stay here as long as you guys need me to? <laughs> hey, we're going to take a break right now. You're listening to Ron Real Radio. Stan, Wendy, Ron, Obi, and myself will be back after these messages.
Gabakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gabakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gabakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. This is John from Angler's Arsenal. Since 1983, Angler's Arsenal has served the needs of the fishing community throughout Southern California, and now we are continuing that tradition out of our new retail store on Woodside Avenue in Lakeside. I invite you to make the trip to visit with Chuck, Dan, Jonathan, and Marvin and draw from the wealth of fishing information my crew has amassed over the many years of fishing experience. They will make your time on the water more productive. When it comes to products, Angler's Arsenal carries all the major brands you've come to know and trust over the years. My knowledgeable staff will make sure you are fitted with the right quality tackle you've been looking for. We're known for servicing those reels and rods you've depended on and used over the course of the season. Bring them into us and we'll make sure they work and look better than the day they came out of the factory. Angler's Arsenal is also the home of Western Plastics, your one-stop shopping center for the fresh and saltwater hand-poured plastics you've depended on since 1985. Looking for those specially wrapped fishing rods? Angler's Arsenal can build you a stick that'll put a hurt on any mean old fish that comes your way. Now we're open Monday through Sunday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Give us a call at 619-466-8355 to discuss your fishing needs. Or better yet, stop by and visit with us at 12255 Woodside Avenue in Lakeside. Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters. The PTA design has the new PTXA frame. Lighter, stronger, bone-crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance-tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. Attention Rod and Reel Radio listeners. Be sure to check out the Code Group mobile app. You can listen to the Rod and Reel Radio show live along with show archives without internet access. The Code Group app has all kinds of cool features for fishermen, including daily Southern California saltwater reports, weather reports, episodes of Inside Sport Fishing, Marine Traffic, and much more. Get the free Code Group mobile app by texting the word REEL, R-E-E-L, to 90407, or enter the words Code Group in the App Store on your smartphone. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. And Wendy and I, we want to welcome you back to the second half of Rod and Reel. Our special guest is the Vice President of Operations for the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company, Mr. Ron Colby. And Ron, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you giving up some of your Sunday to be with us. Uh, no problem. Glad to do it. Hey, uh, you know, we talked about the popularity of the Cinco. A, a couple of... Uh, um, questions I have about the Senko. Uh, one is its name. Where did it get its name from? And is it true that the design of the Senko was actually um, designed after the profile of a big N? Um, that 
the the design is uh, actually very true. It's not the big, um, like banana pin, you know. You, you you see a lot of, but it was the actually the design the, the 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 click that you had the click bick, which is about the same yes. length, but it was one of the push button ones. And uh, and Gary was trying to uh, develop a a soft plastic jerk bait at the time because uh, you know the Herb Reed's uh, Lunker City's uh, Sluggo was was getting really popular, and Gary was trying to to do that. And uh, as he was trying to get a design to do all that. That was the the shape he kind of settled on, and uh, and amazing to some, it was uh, it, it was actually kind of a flop as a jerk bait, and, uh, and you know the salt w- would would hinder it, uh, make the bait too heavy, it would uh, tear away from the hooks, things like that. A lot of guys got kind of frustrated with it, including myself, and. Uh, and kind of put it away. And then as guys got to say, well, you know, they'd cast it out there and just let it sink and do the dead stick as a, as the most popular technique is with it now, then it, it, it really took off. So it's kind of one of those things, I don't want to call it a mistake, but, uh, you know, it it's action and the way it's doing things and its popularity was uh, way different than what it was actually designed to be doing, and so it it, it took off. Now, uh, I think. That's... The... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say I think that's that became kind of the secret of the bait too. Uh, yeah. Once you understood, you don't have to do anything with it, and it was it would work. Was was a defining moment. Same thing with the with the Ica, you know, where you. You can throw that out there, and and it'll slowly sink to the bottom without a weight, and you can wait for the fish to come and get it. Uh, it it's a wonderful, wonderful technique. Not a, a lot of people know how to be that patient, but if you can do that, it'll actually help your score at the end of the day. A lot of the bigger fish don't want something moving fast, so yeah, that was a that's been a key to a lot of successful fishermen. Yeah, and as we watch the the tournament live weigh-ins and things, you know, especially, you know, FLW and Bassmaster when they, they had their, uh, the non-boaters on the back, but the FLW stuff, you know, when they, they get into the events and as they ask the back seaters, the co-anglers, okay, what'd you catch your fish on? You know, it's it just, it's, it's amazing just how many of them just say Sanko, you know, Sanko, Sanko. Yeah. And, and it, you know, because they got the guys up in the front of the boat that throwing their crankbaits or spinnerbaits and their, uh, jigs and doing everything. And those guys in the back of the boat, they just kind of dead stick and you know drag one of those things around. And and a lot of times those guys you know outfish the guys in the front. So it's a uh, it's, it's a good bait to sit there and do nothing with. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say Cinco more than Roland Martin. He's got to be uh, the number one guy when it comes to fishing Cincos in the United States. <laughs> Because he moves so he, slow he, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves them, and, and now the, the the hardtail. You know, that's one of his big deals that he likes that. But uh, now the second, you, you asked me another part of the question about uh, where it got its name from. Yeah, and uh, and there again, Gary was 
goes back to doing the uh, the jerk bait, and Sanko in Japanese means flash. So it was kind of like a jerk bait and creating a flash and a jerk like a jerk bait does, and that's where they came up with that name. You know, and a lot of and, people uh, don't really know that when you use the Senko, if you wanted to, you can use it as a soft jerk bait. You know, just yeah. put the hook in there and let it sink and then twitch it. Yep, you twitch it two or three times and just let it dart around and just let it sit there and do its little dead stick sink and you bring it and you bring it back again. And I think that's one of the reasons, like a Nico rig, is becoming so popular with it. You know, you put that nail weight in it and hook it in the center and then you can bring it and you twitch it up and you just watch that thing just fly around and and that. And it's, uh, I think well, that's one of the more popular that. techniques today. You can use it with a weighted hook. You put a weighted hook on that, and depending on what you want to do with it, that thing will dance. That That's actually, it's got, you know, a lot of them get torn up, but I'd rather get torn up catching them than not catching them. But that's been a uh, phenomenally versatile bait for a lot of different ways. Uh, the guys can use it on a Ned rig. The guys can use it on the back of a jig. The guys can use it on the back of a, of a, a chatterbait. I mean, it's really become a versatile piece of, of equipment for the guys that have uh, learned how to use that Senko. Yeah, you can fish it so many ways, and there's and there's really not a wrong way. You just got to figure out, you know, a little what bit on you know on what's a, what. When Wendy was with me and and uh, Lori, and we you know we were fishing along down the bank. Uh, one person had a Texas rig and weedless style. I was throwing the Ned rig, and and one of us had a wacky rig, and with a with a weight on it. Uh, and you know we yep. were all catching fish. It, it didn't matter. It was it was it was just happening. So you know the the one thing. Go ahead, John. Ron, while we're talking about names, uh, I've always wondered uh, about the Ica. Uh, is there a story behind the name of the Ica? And well, I'm going to correct you on that. The pronunciation <laughs> Thank you. is Ica. It, Ica. The I is pronounced Ica. with an E, Ica and the means Ica means and it's squid in Japanese, and uh, and so it, it, it mimics a squid, and uh, and that that's where that comes from. Okay. Well, and, and you know what, John? They also have they also have a, a few new baits, which is the cowboy, the mermaid, and then Ron just showed me an an ika that was a skinny ika. Yep, that that, that we longer, were. skinnier ika to, to to work. It works fabulously if any guys like to do the Ned rig or the three inch ankles with a jig or something like that. That. That new Ica is uh, that's a ticket. I mean, it's 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 a little bit bigger profile. Doesn't have quite the salt in it, so it sinks a little bit different, and the tails are longer. And that I, th- I think it, is going to be a really. It good has bait. been a great bait for guys that were around for the old in the days of the Garland baits back when when the when they had the skinny uh, that skinny gets it. You know, this is the the answer. When that went away, and it was a, quite a tool. When you guys came out with that, man, I was all over that thing. We caught the tar out of fish this year with that bait. The only one I'm really missing is you took away the single tail hula grub uh, with in the 
in the 180 and I mean the 150 and 187 shad colors for me. So it's been a, a tragedy on my side for those two. Well, I'll, I'll be glad to make you a lot more of them. You, you just got to order a whole bunch, you know. So it's uh, just, one just of those buy a thousand in a whack or two thousand. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was three hundred and fifty bags. So you know, it's not too much. Yeah, it's like about three thousand pieces. But uh, yeah, It's kind of like well, I can do you know, that. I always tell. I got enough guys that'll fish them. <laughs> that I may have to do that, Ron. <laughs> yeah, I always tell everybody. You know, it's like uh, Ford. Would would be out of business if he just kept trying to sell black model A's, and uh, and that's the way you got to look at it with the business part of it. And and when I came on board and we were making a lot of changes to the company and streamlining and becoming more efficient, and that was one of the things we just had to go through. And and you just start looking at all the colors, the dates, and quite frankly, my I'll put it as my my hit list. If that bait isn't selling more than 500 bags a year, I mean, 500 bags really isn't nothing anymore. Then nothing. It, you know, it, it gets discontinued. Now, we can still make that because we still have all the molds. We still have all the color recipes. We still have all the parts, everything else. It's just a, for us to be more efficient and with, you know, the, the economy and everything else as it is, you know, I can't. We can't. We can't waste a lot of plastic, or th- we have. To, we have to account for every little piece and become as efficiently as possible. I'll be glad to make you, you know, three hundred and fifty bags of that stuff. You just place the order. I'll have it out in about two or three weeks. You know, no problem. Ron, one okay. quick question about one of the products. Uh, what is the difference between a pro and a thin Senko? The 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 pro senko is a a little fatter on the head, so it will take a a, a a jig head on that. And a thin senko, it has a tapers, it has a skinnier head, then it tapers up to the egg, egg sac, and then it goes back down. And it and the thin senko is really really more designed to to do a, a wacky rig or a drop shot or or something like that. Right. Yeah. The, that new yeah. that new. Then Ika is absolutely a killer bait. It that it was a, it was kind of like a new little secret. Well, I hope everybody uh, gets to enjoy it, and, and maybe they'll win the U.S. <laughs> Open on it. Who knows? Maybe they'll win the U.S. Open on the new Cowboy and the Mermaid too. Both of those are, uh, are great baits for a jig head and stuff like that too. So, Ron, well, that Cowboy killer. Well, thank you. I, I had a, a lot of guys ask me, so we need a bait that has a lot more action and this and that. And so I sat there and put some of, and it, it's a cross between a, a few of our other baits together. And I, I changed up the legs and and did some things, spent a lot of time with it in the pool. But, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot, and you get that big kick and and things like that. And, you know, tricked it out a little bit with some of the arms and and tell you the story between the cowboy and the mermaid. I had them both sitting there <laughs> on my desk, and I took a picture of them. And my grandson came up to me, and he looked at the one, and he goes, that looks just like a little mermaid, Grandpa. And I went, huh, and I was looking at it. And then the other one sitting next to it with the shadow on it, it looked just like the cowboy sitting there with his chaps and his hat and things like that. So I said, well, i got a cowboy and a mermaid sitting right here. 
So we stuck with it. That's pretty cool. <laughs> well, Ron, it, it's impossible in the short amount of time to talk about all of the baits that are produced by Gary Yamamoto Company. We didn't even talk about things like the, the lead heads. We haven't talked about Segoy line, which is a product that I've used for a long time. I, I think it's one of the best fluorocarbons on the market. Uh, there's just a variety of things that Gary Yamamoto Custom Baits produces. If people want to see a better variety than maybe they can see in their local distributor, number one, where can they go? And if it's not available from a local distributor, I know you have a way that people can pick up these products. And how is that? Right. We have our uh, retail website, and it's uh, www.baits, in plural, baits.com. And, uh, you know, we've got on the store. We don't try and uh, compete against Bass Pro or anything else, but just what you just said, that uh, if there's something there that they want to look at or a color or information, uh, videos uh, about the baits or or anything else like that, if uh, your store doesn't have that color or you want it, if your store's out of it and you want it, uh, we're never out. (laughs) <laughs> um, every once in a while we do run out of stuff, but we're never out. Wendy's seen the warehouse and, uh, it, it's fairly massive and, uh, and we're, we're constantly building bait. So it, uh, it doesn't take us more than a couple days to get stuff going and, uh, refill the warehouse. And, uh, so, but yeah, baits.com and, uh, you know, visit the website and check out all the colors and all the different, all the other different items we have. Okay, I got one more question. How do you say that San Shuo, wherever is, how do you say that? The salamander? Yeah, you were actually pretty close. It's San Shuo. So San Shuo. And, and that's, that's exactly, that's what that is, is, uh, uh, Japanese for salamander. So, uh, I, well, I was have. pronouncing it wrong for a long time, and my friends at, uh, Daiwa, they corrected me, and they said, no, San, San Shuo, because I was pronouncing it. Sanshuo, just like you said, but it's it's a it's a double O that's pronounced really fast. So it's Sanshuo, like like that. So that's that's how you pronounce. <laughs> hey, you know, if you guys are ever in the area of Page, Arizona, um, they have a campground there that they're going to be expanding, and it's a beautiful campground. That's where we stayed. Wow, and I've got oh, video. From 1984, when we visited the uh, the shop in that campground, that was actually manned by Gary, and I've got actually film of Gary with his hair all black. Can you imagine that? <laughs> it, it, I sometimes it's all black when now, but he first it, started it, and it, his hair it, was it, black, but so was mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ron. Thank you so much for being with us tonight and uh, giving us a little insight on the Gary Yamamoto custom bait company uh great lures keep it going uh i didn't even get you a chance to compliment you yeah i know you guys spent a lot of your resources on the packaging the packaging for the lures is just fantastic Uh, congratulations on all aspects and i hope we can have you on again to talk a little bit about the gary yamamoto custom bait company well i appreciate all the the 
the compliments and everything, and we, we, we do our best to make it the best bait. Because uh, as our, lo- our slogan says, uh, what you fish matters, and we take a lot of pride in it. And uh, anytime you want to have me on the radio about anything, uh, I'm more than happy to, to join in. And I appreciate Ron, everything you guys for do for us. us. And thanks for such a great time, and make sure you say hello to your family t- for us. Uh, I'll do that, Wendy, and we sure enjoyed you all being here, and uh, we had a great time. All right, and as soon Ron's as I get three hundred fifty bags of that that uh, those single tails full of crabs, I'll I'll give you a call. Okay, <laughs> okay, you do that. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Have a good Thanks, night. All right, Ron, thanks, Ron. Ron. Ron Colby, Vice President of Operations for the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company. Hey guys, we're running a little overtime. We got to take a break right now, but. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the sports boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart, the San Diego Blood Bank. Fishing for a way to make a difference in your community? Consider donating blood or making a financial donation to the San Diego Blood Bank. Your gift will impact medical research, revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease, and most importantly, give the gift of life. But we can't do it without you or without your help. Visit sandiegobloodbank.org to make an appointment or to give a financial donation today. It's the best way to give back. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization? But you just don't know who to contact. Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419. Or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419. Or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. So let's get this show going. Hey, my first guest tonight is the owner of Hookup Baits, fresh off the Hookup Bait Tournament just this last Saturday over at Dana Landing, Mr. Chad Gerlich. Chad, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, good evening, John. Always a pleasure doing your show. Thank you. Hey, it, it's a it's great having you. Well, Chad, I guess the first question I have to ask you, I know over the past few years you've been in a lot of tournaments. You've win placed and showed in a lot of them. How did it feel though this time being on the other side of the table? <laughs> you know, I haven't even thought about that yet, but it was kind of weird. Um, and, you know, we did get out and do our own fishing a little bit while we were being the patrol boat, you know, in the, in the hookup bait team boat. And uh, you know, of course, while we were patrolling, we had to fish a little bit. So, um, but it was really cool just to see the excitement of everybody and. You know, give, being able to hand out, you know, being the one handing out the 
trophies and the prizes. You know, it was really cool. And just seeing the look on a lot of the kids' faces while they were receiving their trophy and fishing rods, and it just, it was amazing. I mean, so that was, that. it was pretty cool, I got to say. I can't wait to do well, it again. When we talked to you last week, uh, you were looking forward to having a cap of 80 participants. Did that happen? And what was kind of the mix of the uh, different categories that were available for fishermen to fish in? Uh, really, yeah, we met our cap. Um, you know, we we needed to do the cap, you know, just for to limit the amount of people just with this being our first tournament. But then we really started getting a lot of boats, the team boats, um, you know, where the motorized boat of any type, and, you know, but then we'd set them up as a team of four, four, up to four anglers. That still started filling up really fast. Um, so we had to cap it, and then, uh, you know, then we let, you know, there's unlimited kids, we let join the tournament. And then uh, after that, we let a few more of the dock and kayak, you know, because we, we needed more in those divisions, so we let a few more of those in. So in total, we were probably 100 anglers, at least uh, by the time uh, the tournament started. So it had a really good t- turnout. It was pretty awesome. Well, you know, uh, I know offshore we've had a little bit of a surge, and that might have kept some of the people from going outside uh, Mission Bay and going over to San Diego Bay. There's always those those diehards, though, that make it. Tell us a little bit about the results and how it worked out for people. It seems like everybody caught fish. Um, really, it uh, didn't hear too many of anybody that really got skunked. Um, uh, we got a lot of nice bags weighed in, as in the team boat. You know, this went by measurement of bass. You know, so this was a zero kill bass tournament, and uh, that was probably, if, if anything, on the whole tournament, that was the one thing that people were a little confused with, and you know, maybe didn't like about the tournament. But you know, everybody figured it out and got their uh, figured out the app and measured their bass and got it in. By the end of the tournament, you know, they were like, "Oh, that wasn't too bad, actually, at all." So, um, but. Yeah, our three, first, second, and third in that, they were all right there, like, I think, 56 to 60 inches for three bass um, total on those. Wow. So, you know, they're, they're, all three of them were within an inch of each other, first, second, and third. So that they put some good bags together, uh, mostly sand bass, a couple calicos. Um, you know, and then the, the kayak anglers did actually really well. They turned in some pretty good bags of fish. And uh, then the shore anglers actually did well, too. They even caught fish on the shore, you know, and the pretty impressive uh, size fish. And then there's a jackpot for each one. And I think the the biggest fish of the tournament was caught from uh, actually a float tuber doing San Diego Bay. He caught a 10-and-a-half-pound halibut. And, uh, and he got the jackpot for the float tube kayak division. Uh, biggest fish for the boat division was a 7-and-a-half-pound sheephead that took the jackpot there. So Nice. And then... Then we had one boy that took the, the you know, it was 17 under jackpot, and he caught a bass. No, it wasn't a bass. What did he get? A bonita. Yeah, he got a bonita. Seven-pound bonita won that one for the kids. So, yeah, a lot of lot of variety of fish, and everyone did very well. It was, it was great. And uh, it, I was told many times after the tournament what a great organized event it was and how fun it was, and everybody sure is hoping we do it again next year. So I to me, that spells success. Well, you know, I I know, as I said, you've uh, 
fished in a lot of tournaments before. Uh, myself, I've run a lot of tournaments. I've fished in a lot of tournaments. Uh, sometimes people don't realize everything that goes into running a successful event. And if everything goes perfectly, it's like, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, it's like no one even gives it a second thought because everything ran perfectly. But if, if something gets derailed, then sometimes that's when there's some questions, but it sounded like you ran a great event. But the, the thing that I'm most intrigued with is the opportunity that a variety of fishermen had to, to fish an event to get into the competition, kids fishing, people from the shoreline, kayakers, float tubers, and then the boater division. Uh, great concept, uh, Chad. Yeah, that was one of the biggest things I want to do is try to involve everybody. And no matter what your style of fishing or your age, you can fish this tournament. And uh, that's another thing I heard a lot. You know, this is my first tournament. I'm so excited to fish my first tournament, you know, and, you know, that they're so proud of themselves that they did their first tournament and all that kind of stuff. So that was really cool to see that, how how excited a lot of people were to fish their first saltwater tournament kind of thing. So um, we had a lot of that going on, and, you know, it was awesome. But, you know, as in putting the tournament together, you know, JoJo just did an ama- amazing job. She was just <laughs> running around super busy for the last couple of weeks, getting it everything set up and everything dialed in. But then also we had a ton of, we had an army of support. <laughs> we had so many volunteers, you know, all the hookup bait employees, every one of our employees were part of it. And then just a little, so many of our friends. So, you know, we had an army. So that's really what made it flow very easy and very organized. And CCA came out with all their people and, and joined in. And so just the combination of CCA and us together, we were able to pull off this big event and make it flow easy. And, you know, with lunch, we had a, ended up with a really big raffle that everyone was very happy with. So, yeah, it was just a good time, very, very smooth, and just everybody was happy. It's just, it was awesome. We can't be more thrilled with it. And then besides uh, having a, a big event where a lot of people enjoyed it, even, and they got some great prizes, a little money, uh, if they fished well, but everyone, you had worked it out with goodie bags where everyone could go home with something. And then to have a raffle, and if I'm not mistaken, part of that money's too, did that not go to CCA? So it was like a win-win situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100% of the proceeds are going to CCA and Warriors on the Water with San Diego Anglers. So, Great. Um, yeah, but between the entry fees and then the 100% of the raffle, all of it is going back to, to those two organizations with all the great work they do. Now, since this was a tournament that was determined by length and not necessarily uh, by weight, I need to thank you because of the fact I sold more measuring devices in the past <laughs> three or four days than I've sold in the past three years. <laughs> awesome (laughs) golden rules tapes you know i don't i don't care what it was all of a sudden they were flying off the shelves not that we keep that many of them but you know my guys are going what what happened to those you know we need we need to thank you for that not only that but i'm sure that there are a couple of three people that came up and thanked you for uh you know, manufacturing the hookup baits because 
I'm sure there must have been a couple of three fish that were caught on hookup baits during this event. <laughs> well, I'm sure there were. Uh, you know, this was a no live bait, uh, no dead bait kind of thing. It had to be an artificial lure, but it could be any artificial lure um, that they could fish, you know. But it's, you know, it seemed like mostly everybody was fishing the hookup baits, so I didn't really see too much of anything else people were fishing. But, but uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, it was just, it was cool. And I got to thank you for your donation from Angler's Arsenal um, that went into the goodie bags. And, yeah, those goodie bags themselves were worth the price of admission, you know, for all the kids. You know, it's Excellent. $20. Yeah, it's twenty dollars for them to join, but they got thirty dollar bag of stuff <laughs> right off the bat. So, so was, that that was really cool. Well, so, that's the way you know. That's actually the way uh, uh, we get them hooked. Is uh, you know they come out to a great event like yours. They have a great time with mom and dad. Uh, you had a lot of volunteers there that could help them out. And if there are people that had questions about how to fish the baits or how to do whatever it is, and just to help them with their experience on the water. And I, I've got to tell you, Chad, uh, with the hookup baits, you've introduced and made fishing really fun for a, y- a lot of young people that normally might have easily gotten bored and gone off to do something else. And now they're really into the fishing scene. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, the two priceless moments that happened is, you know, during the award ceremony, it just so happened to you know, like Grandma of the Month program this month. I happened to pick a kid that was actually in our tournament, and he ended up getting third place in the the uh, under seven, yeah, thirteen to seventeen category. So when he came up to get his trophy, he was very excited about getting third place and everything else. And then I sprung it on him that he was Grom of the month this month. Oh boy, you should have seen that kid. He was just <laughs> so excited, just jumping and dancing, giving me the biggest hug ever, you know, and. Right in the middle of it, all he's all of a sudden he says, "I got to call my mom and tell my mom." <laughs> right in the of celebration, it was it was priceless. And then uh, you, know, you know, we see it here all the time in the shop where the kids do well, and mom and dad, or even it's amazing how grandma and granddad are you know sometimes taking care of the kids because mom and dad and working, and grandma and granddad are exposing them to fishing. And how exciting it is to see how they light up when all of a sudden they start catching fish. And, and you know, people that we've seen coming in here as, as young kids with their mom and dad now are coming in with their kids and taking their kids out fishing. It, it's a great cycle to be involved in. Yeah, we got a really nice letter last night from the grandparents of that kid just, you know, because they all say the dad posted the video on face uh, Instagram and the grandparents seen it. And so they wrote us a really nice letter by, you know, how excited he was and, you know, making him happy and all that stuff. It was a really, very nice letter. So, and uh, we had another kid that in the 12 and under that got the longest bass award. And the longest bass award was a Shimano Terramar rod, uh, nice. spinning rod with a 5,000, uh, Shimano reel on it. You know, a $400 setup is what the kid, the Grom, or this kid that got the longest bass got. And when this kid came up and we handed him that rod, he was like he saw a ghost. He was just, his eyes were big, his mouth open, and just sitting there and just was speechless when I was handing him this rod. It was, that was just so cool to see that kid. Just can't believe that 
I'm handing this rod for him to keep. <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty, really cool moment, too. So That is and, so out of out of sight, Chad. Chad. Yeah. Listen, if, if people want to find out more about hookup baits, see the available colors, uh, or find out where there is a dealer that is close to them, if they need to pick pick up some for that immediate fishing fix that we all get, how's the best way to do it, sir? At hookupbaits.com. Uh, if you want to order online, if you don't want to order online, there's lots of shop, shops that have them. There's a list of them when you go to our website. So if you go to the website and look for the shop nearest you, you can go there or just order them online straight from us. All right, Chad. Again, congratulations to you, JoJo, and the entire Hookup Bait staff for running a successful event. I hope there is a second annual event there. And I think, again, you're going to have to put a cap on it and uh, because word's going to get out what a great event it was. And, you know, thanks to you and your staff, made it all possible. Yeah, no, thank you, Don. Yeah, we are thinking there's you know, for sure going to be another one. The cap's going to be a little bit higher, but. Yeah, we'll do it, definitely do it again, and, you know, thanks to people like you that support us as well. You know, thanks for everything you do, John. Always happy to do that, Chad. Thanks a lot again for being with us tonight and giving up some of your Sunday evening. I know it's been a busy weekend for you. <laughs> not, not a problem at all. All right. Hey, we're going to take a break right now. Uh, you're listening to Rod and Real Radio on AM540 or at com. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available. Or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Wendy Toshahara and I, we do want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Well, you know, this is, uh, man, this is a fellow that has probably one of the best success stories in the fishing industry I've heard of in a long time. He is the maker of the JRI jigs. He is from uh, JRI Custom Lures. Let's welcome to the show Mr. Jerry Guzman. Gary, welcome to the sure. show, sir. How are you doing? Hey. Thanks for having me. No, it's great to have you. I, I you know, with uh, you're in a. I, let me just tell our guests, you're also in another line of work, which at a moment's notice can take you away from being on the uh, telephone with us. So I'm happy we could catch up with you and get a few moments with you. Thanks for making the time. Oh no, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for being patient all all these uh, all these weeks we've been we've been talking. So I, I thank you, Jerry. Let me just get right down to it because we've uh, uh, we've got limited time here. Uh, there are a lot of irons that are on the market, and you came along and tell us about why did you think that there was the need for another iron on the market, and why the JRI jig? So uh, about 
Well, for many, many years I've been fishing the iron. Some would probably call me a freak uh, fishing the jigs. Um, so back in around 2008, 2009, um, you know, I just wasn't really happy of what I was seeing. Um, you know, a lot of jig slingers out there, uh, even today, will say, you know, you'd be lucky if two, three, four jigs out of ten jigs out there will swim and, and so forth. And the guys out there will, you know, find ways to find jigs that swim. And so um, I was collecting old jigs. You know, I was on eBay paying 100 bucks, 150 bucks for a jig. And I kind of just thought to myself, why am I spending this kind of money for a jig that's 50 years old? You know, what you would think, you know, today's technology with cars and stuff like that, there's better cars today than there were 50 years ago. So I just uh, kind of took the processes of way back when kind of, uh, you know, and, and as a hobby, um, made my own jigs. And so I used uh, effective jigs that worked, um, kind of used better ingredients, if you will. Um, I rigged it the way I liked, and um, hence JRI was born. And so um, I had no intentions of it being a business. It was just for my own good. It was kind of like the secret weapon. You know, everyone wanted to know what I was fishing. And so it was just, it was my jig. And then um, I just gave them along to my friends and, you know, a um, couple captains that I fished with. And that was it. And then um, next thing you know, I start getting uh, messages. Hey, uh, you mind if you sell me a few? And and then uh, a uh, retailer shop uh, in San Diego uh, was the first shop to actually ask uh, to sell my jigs. And that was uh, English Choice uh, back around 2013-ish or so. And uh, it's been history ever since. So uh, that's kind of how, how, how I started. Oh, man. Well, the jigs have gone off, uh, you know, incredibly successful. As a matter of fact, you mentioned yourself as being a freak. I just got a message from another freak friend of yours, Danny Wade, who we just had on uh, a few oh. segments before you. And he says, hey, say hello to my good friend Jerry for me. And I don't have to tell you, uh, Danny is one jig throwing, you know what, and has been throwing them for 50 years. And get a recommendation from a guy like Danny, that's a pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah, you know, I, I've known Danny for many years long before he knew who I was. I mean, I always, I would fish next to him, and I'd always keep an eye on him. And, and um, so it, our little history goes back, interestingly enough, for me, because I looked up to him and guys like him and, and other guys out there, a good friend of mine um, up in L.A., uh, we call him Lee Macho. And, um, and, and so when I found out that he was fishing my stuff, I was like, wow, it was just, I was just blown away. And, um, and it's guys like that where, you know, I pick their brain. I go, you know, um, to the boat captains, Hey, what is that you like? You know, these guys are on the water every day and they see the, the conditions, they see the current, all that stuff. And I just, you know, that's just a great wealth of knowledge. And that is where I, I truly believe listening to those guys, listening to the, you know, what I call the, the, you know, boots on the ground out there fishing every day. And, uh, you know, I get the suggestions. I, you know, luckily do the little R and D and voila. And that's, that's what I do. You know, uh, we are in a, a position here at anglers arsenal that when you come through the door, the first thing you almost see is the display of the JRI jigs that you have in the different colors. And, the fishermen come through the door, and it's almost like a moth to a light. I mean, it's zip. They are right over there, and the next thing you know, you're hearing the jingling of the jigs on, on the pegs. But tell me, what is it 
that makes these jigs just different from a lot of other things that are on the market right now? So uh, for starters, um, the material I use. So when I when I kind of took back the the if the history of these jigs that were casted about 50 years ago, you know, I, I took it back to the metallurgy of what aluminum they were using. And so uh, the aluminum they were using back then, which was coming out of World War II, um, it was scrap aluminum back then was, was military or was, uh, excuse me, was uh, aircraft aluminum. So I kind of looked into metallurgy on aircraft aluminum and what the properties were and castability and so forth. And so what I found was that that metal was, uh, very consistent, very uh, when when it came to casting, and back then they were hand finishing lures. Nothing was die cast. Nothing was uh, you know rolling through tumblers and deburring stuff and rounding out edges. And so I stuck to those types of um, uh, styles, if you will. Uh, yeah, I mean today aircraft aluminum is very expensive. I mean labor of finishing each hand by uh, hand is more expensive, you know, but. Uh, I, I kept to it, and I didn't cut any corners, keeping sharp edges, you know, keeping uh, drilling the uh, countersinks versus having the countersinks into the mold. So it's those little things, those little subtleties that I did um, using the, the pearlescent paints and stuff like that that, that really separated me from, from everyone else. And, um, and I truly believe that each and every little piece of that adds to it. And um, I, like I said, I, I never – knew that I was going to be selling jigs, and, and uh, that, that was a personal thing of mine, uh, you know, the attention to detail, and um, I've, I've stuck it out ever since. Now, tell us, on the JRI line, tell us uh, at least, uh, you know, uh, three or four of the different styles that you have, what to use them for, and stuff like that. Yeah, so right now, um, one of the big things that separates me from everyone else is uh, right off the bat will be uh, the JRI yo-yo jigs. So most uh, yo-yo jigs today are made of uh, zinc or lead. And the one thing that stands out about the, the yo-yo jig, uh, the JRI yo-yo jig, is we're made of brass. So brass is a heavier material than uh, zinc. It's about 25, 22 to 25% heavier than zinc, uh, virtually indestructible, uh, has a different little tink to it, um, and so that's why I made uh, the jig out of brass. Again, something that kept me different from from them. So we have this. So imagine using a six X Junior out there um, that weighs maybe three point two ounces. I could have the same the same size jig weighs four and a half ounces. Well, it's gonna you know when that fish is biting that smaller bait, you're gonna get down you know deeper and quicker than the guy that's got three point two ounces and not sacrificing size, like bumping up to like a, a bigger jig. Um, and the surface iron size, um, the, probably the, the JRI-4 is, is my biggest uh, seller in San Diego area. These are for guys fishing the Coronado Islands, guys like going long-range fishing, fishing for the 30-pound-plus yellowtail. And it's, the, it's about the weight of a, of a 7X, but a little bit bigger or longer than a 7X. And so it gets that castability a little bit out there. You could go a little medium to fast retrieve on it. And, uh, you know, some, some say that, um, you know, big, big bait, big fish theory, and I think that's why I do so well with that jig in uh, the San Diego area. Long Rangers like the JRI-4. Um, and the JRI-3, uh, which is not your typical convention-looking jig, that was kind of my secret jig up until probably eh, the end of last season. It, you know, doesn't, it's got a flat finish to it. it, it 
and it never really took off, but I knew that that was my widest kicking jig. Um, there's guys out there that have seen it, and uh, that's the only jig I've ever seen that birds will actually come in, swoop, and hit the jig. So birds will follow it. I've seen that, but I've never seen birds come down, swoop in on the jig, and actually try to pick at it. And uh, I've, I've had that to me happen on three different occasions. My, my rod wrapper, Ken Bush, uh, has done that. My good friend, uh, John, over at uh, Blue Pacific Tackle, he's had it done. So it's, it's, that has kind of taken off. That size is more like your uh, 45 size jig, and a lot of guys up in L.A. like to fish that jig. Right. And, uh, John, I'm sorry, we're speaking with uh, Jerry Guzman from uh, JRI custom lures makers of the jri jigs your your jigs are available in most all of the standard colors that fishermen are uh know about but also jerry you've got some unique colors that i don't see anywhere else that you've come out with or you did you found and now you're providing give us an idea of maybe one color that you came up with that was sort of like a brainstorm, and you thought maybe this worked, and when you see it going off the pegs in the shop, you go, yeah, I was really right on that one. Yeah, so so right now, I would say color-wise, hands down, my biggest selling color is uh, the mint white gold. Uh, mint white gold has been around probably since maybe the early 70s, but it kind of faded away, and I like that, that color combo, and I brought that in about probably when I started, and that thing has just taken off. Um, the way I started with these colors was, um, believe it or not, I was sitting at the Monterey Bay Aquarium one day, and for many of that people who've been up there, they're known for the sardine, sardine industry uh, up in the 20s, and I sit there, and I'm, I was looking at the sardine exhibit, and I go, wow, these sardines in this tank do not look like the sardines at the bait receiver. So I asked one of the, the, uh, or the uh, aquarium guys there, and I asked him, got more info on it, and he says, oh, well, this is their natural habitat, so their color was totally different. And I noticed that the sardines had a pearlescent look to them, a pearlescent finish to them, not the green back with the little black dots that we normally see in the uh, bait receivers. And so from there, that's when I kind of took on that pearlescent, that metallic colors, and even so much so that I started going to the color-shifting colors, more of the uh, natural habitat, the, 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 the color-shift greens, the blues, and, um, and again, uh, you know, that's that attention to detail that I did. Uh, again, I never thought I would be selling jigs, but that was just my personal thing. And, and that's what we do on the JRI line. We, we keep it the same. So that, that's kind of where it all started. Right. Jerry, do you have a website where people can go to see the different colors and then maybe also get a list of the dealers that you have? Uh, because I know production of your product is very limited because of you know the constraints that you have on material and design and everything else like that so that they can go and 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 find these jigs and just experience how good they are yeah so uh we're still in uh developing the website uh but i am on uh facebook on jri custom lures and also on instagram um, we, I was just looking, we have uh, 20 dealers uh, throughout Southern California. Of course, Angler's Arsenal is one of them. Um, we are in every um, landing in San Diego, so that's going to be H&M, Point Loma, uh, Fisherman's Landing, and uh, Seaforth, including Dana nice. Landing. So although that's more the private boaters, but all of the landings. And um, up in the valley, um, San Fernando Valley, the big one is probably Bob Sands uh, Fishing Tackle. 
online. You could look at English Choice uh, Tackle. They're just down the street at Rosecrans in San Diego. Um, and Blue Pacific Tackle, again, online has it. So, so we have about 20 retailers, and um, we're slowly working on it, but I'll probably put that up on the uh, Instagram uh, and the Facebook page of all of our dealers uh, throughout Southern California. And I just want to I want add that with the quality of this product is, you will be very surprised that when you go see it at the dealer of your choice, just how little these jigs cost in comparison to what goes into them. Jerry, thank you for being with us. Thank you for the great service and trying to keep us supplied. Bring out a great product, and we look forward to talking to you again and giving you an update on how great your product is working here for our customers. Cool. Well, I, I appreciate it, John. I'm not sure if Wendy's on the other line or not, but uh, I just I am. want to uh, – oh, well, hey, I just want to say hi. I uh, missed you yesterday, but uh, I've been fishing uh, eyes line for many, 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 many years, and I continue to do so fishing on the iron, and I personally think that hands down that is probably the best um, uh, mono out there for guys fishing uh, the iron. So I've always have, and uh, I, I love it. So thank you. And w- what pound test do you recommend, 40? Uh, so I typically 30, fish, uh, I, I'll fish 40. Um, lately, I believe it or not, I've been fishing 50. Um, so, um, but typically for many, many years, I've been fishing 40-pound line. And um, just more recently, I, I, I bumped up my, I fish Newell reels. So, you know, I'm a little old school. But um, I've, I put 50 on it, and I've had no issues at all fishing 50-pound. All right, oh, Jerry. great. Well, thank you very much. Hey, All right. thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Jerry. And uh, we'll be speaking with you here in the not-too-distant future. Well, everyone, that's it for tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I know there are a lot of other distractions out there. I think, though, that if you stayed around and listened, you got a lot of great information. You also had a good time, too. Hey, so until next Sunday night at 5.05 p.m. on AM 540, this is your host, Hopalong John Cassidy, Wishing you a good evening. I want to thank Otto in the AM540 studios, Ben Harvey, our San Diego producer, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill, Eddie McCune, and our good friend Paul Leader from Elkhorn Ford, all that made this show possible. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. But more importantly, we want to thank you, the listeners, for listening to us, supporting us, sending us your comments, uh, your texts, your emails that you enjoy the show and you like the format that we've set up. So until next Sunday night, on behalf of Stan and Wendy, you guys have a great week. We'll be on live next Sunday night at 5.05 p.m. So for now, good night, everybody. Go out there and get them. Someone's catching your fish. We'll see you later. Oh, yeah.